You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I'm your host, Michael Kushner. Let's get this episode going. I have the incredible Scott Barnhart as my guest. Funny, brilliant, everything, everything you want as in an artist. Um, we explained how we met in the episode, but I made a lifelong friend. I also just wanted to send out, you know, love to my previous guest, Rob Madge, who was part of my 100th episode celebration as we were talking about My Son's a Queer, But What Can You Do? And shortly after we, <laughs> shortly after we released the episode, um, they announced a postponement to My Son's a Queer on Broadway, which hopefully will be coming next season. It is not easy putting on a show on Broadway. But you should still listen to the episode and talk about how it at least got to where it went and hopefully will be coming to Broadway. There's still so much to learn and and uh, and listen to in regards to putting on your own solo show and having it you know go into a commercial space there's so much to risk um, but uh, but I have a feeling we'll be seeing my son's a queer soon and um, I really really hope that it's that it's in a Broadway space because Rob Rob really really you know deserves that and um, I think the story really needs to be told as well but uh yeah my heart goes out to them and the crew and creatives involved and it's really tough out there but here we are we're we're pushing through we're we're still creating we're all we're keeping our heads held high even though the what is the industry right now i mean it's it's so unpredictable and so so wild but you know in these wild times we're our job is to create and stay creative and stay focused. And that's, that's what we have to do. And that's what I'm trying to do. So, um, this episode definitely helps. Um, please rate, subscribe, comment, tell your friends, your family, all that good stuff. And, uh, and leave a review, leave a review on Apple podcasts. It really helps. Um, really, really, really helps. And follow on social media. I'm at dear multi hyphenate on Instagram and at the Michael Kushner on Instagram and TikTok. And I'm also running a a, a sale on uh, on my at, at Michael Kushner Photography, a Valentine's Day sale. Um, uh, it's $143 off your next photo shoot, and I chose that because that's I love you. Remember saying 143? No. My husband doesn't, and we almost got into a fight this morning because I was trying to explain to him what one four three meant, and he, and I, I thought it was universal, but it's okay. We made it through. Um, but yes, if you use the code I love you at michaelkushnerphotography.com when booking, I'll take one hundred forty three dollars off your next photo shoot with me in spirit of Valentine's Day, and that is. That expires on February 16th, so that's just for the rest of the week, but you might be listening to this two years from now, in which case there's going to be more sales. So, you know, head to michaelkushnerphotography.com and do your photo shoot. (laughs) This is from me two years, two years ago. What am I even talking about? All right, let's do this episode. 
Scott Barnhart is a musical theater actor, theater maker, writer, educator, and independent education consultant. He is also the owner and creator of the Creative College Journey, a bespoke approach to college guidance working exclusively with creative applicants, writers, filmmakers, actors, dancers, for example, helping families handle both the academic and artistic aspects of a college application with the goal to lower stress and increase clarity and enjoyment through the process. Scott has been on Broadway in the Book of Mormon and also the Deaf West Broadway revival of Big River at Roundabout. He's the recipient of many awards and grants and is an incredible uh, educator in master classes, workshops, and just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant person. Get into him, listen to the episode, follow him on social media, contact him through the website, and uh, I hope you learn something. I really love this conversation. And again, please rate, subscribe, comment, leave a review, tell your friends, your family, and uh, and reach out. Hi, Scott. How are you? Hi, my friend. It's so good to see you. Now, who was your alphaba? <laughs> How dare. How dare. Okay, so this here's the thing about this story. We met, we've only met once in person, but I feel like I have a forever friend, which I love. Truly, truly. Um, I think that... You know, those situations like Florida State Thespians, like, you know, uh, those really intense, like, two, three day, five day things where you're just sort of thrown into a strange city with people that have the same common interests. And and there's all of these um, weird things happening, like, uh, 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 you know, um, a bunch of kids uh, singing Murder, Murder from Jekyll and Hyde and and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and a bunch of crazy thespian mom drama mamas and all of this stuff and and we sort of find each other to yeah. uh to hold on tight and i feel like what happens in those sort of situations is that you kind of get the craziest stories and the craziest experiences and we found each other through like nick searley and who else and was lauren, there lauren molina and, lauren and molina. oh yeah it was it was so fun i mean because it was so deeply intense like the the students are intense, the parents are intense, we're all a little bit intense. Yeah. And so like all the little like interactions, it feels so um heightened. Yeah. Uh, the whole experience was so so heightened. This was Florida State Thespians and yes. um of Tampa. this past year. And it was just, you know, I grew up doing it in high school and then I I now do it as an adjudicator and educator and and workshop giver. But um it's always really fun to like see like new people that are like you that have not done it, this specific one before. Or, oh, like that was my first Eric Altimus too. Like, and Oh to, yeah. And to be like this, like come like, it's fun. It's fun. And to watch you like ex explore and, and see what that's like. But this one was so special um, in so many different ways. And I loved the group that we had. And um, we went out to dinner for anyone listening. That's like, what are you <laughs> even talking about? We went out to dinner and we just, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. We just didn't. And it was a bunch of gays. We just yeah. didn't know. And Sarah, Sarah Hamity, right? It was like, yep. Yeah. So it was just a bunch of gays and our friend Sarah and um we <laughs> That's just, a book that's a book title right in and of itself. A bunch of gays and our friend Sarah. <laughs> I love that. Um and uh we just couldn't figure out. I'm sorry I'm going to say it. We just couldn't figure out if our waiter was gay or not and it was really important. So we started <laughs> And we spent a a copious amount of time planning, strategizing and doing like research testing on like different questions nope that didn't work up oh, nope that didn't work oh maybe like, bye maybe yeah we <laughs> spent no one ever asked the just overt question it was but we so many so many cues and clues so we were sitting at this table being like all right what is a good way to be like well, okay. Um, what's your favorite night to go downtown Tampa and dance? Because we knew that like Thursday night was a gay night at one of the clubs. So we were like, and he was like Wednesday and we're like, oh, straight. And then he said something else that we were like, nope, nope, nope maybe, maybe, maybe. So then Wicked was in town and we were like, so I, my, my way of gay code was talking about Wicked. <laughs> so I was like, all right, Wicked's in it. Have you seen Wicked? And he was like, I haven't seen it like since like 2007, maybe. And I went, well, who was your alphabet? It's the funniest question. Thinking... And it told us everything. <laughs> because he responded. What? Who's alphabet? 
<laughs> and that put that put and we're it, like got it got it got it yep. um got it i'll have the uh i'll have the steak medium rare <laughs> thank you we're we're done here we're good that was uh, <laughs> and then wait and then the oh. then it was then it was the piece de resistance was uh i was it eric uh it someone was, no. left no it was um was it josh it was josh 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 left a note on the receipt Tip, yeah on the on the receipt uh, on the receipt and left his number and was like hey you know like you basically just like giving him his number right and then we had moved on to another establishment and we get a phone call yeah no it was a and, text it was a text oh it was a text it was a text and he's like hey <laughs> it's your waiter and we were like oh my god dang <laughs> he's like uh you forgot to tip we didn't leave a tip <laughs> and that was on me it was on my it had been on my card and we were so and i was mortified <laughs> oh good. my god but it's a good thing we left the number i mean we left like... the number so he contacted us and then we venmoed him a a, a hearty tip and oh. Went on but with her. Not a gay one. Not a gay tip. God, that was fun. Not a gay tip. Not the not the tip. Um, and then we had a whole like oh god. Then that that just spurred. I mean, four hours of conversation. We talked. Oh, we were. It was incredible. Up, it was a, it was such a great night. And um, are you planning to be? Are you planning to be at Thespians this year? I've put in my you know I put in my little uh application so we shall see i put in my my application too so i'm hoping for another year of fun fun yeah uh, i had such a i love the thespian events they're so too. fun me too so, and i grew up i didn't have thespian festival growing up um i went to up? in california in mm. southern california orange county and there was thespians like it was a thing um but because i went to a school of the arts we weren't we were sort of like siloed. We were, we, we weren't, we didn't participate in, in that world. And it wasn't until I hit college and we did like the ACTF festival, um, the American college theater festival where I got my first taste of it. And, oh, I was like, you get to bring all the theater nerds together in one place. Like that's a thing. I, I, I love it. I love those sort of events. So I went to a perform. It's so interesting to see how education, theater education is so different for so many different people. Like Very. Th there's, you know, how with like pre-med, like there's, there's sort of a track and, and there's, there's things. It's super linear. It's you like know? you, you can very much see like, if I do this and do this and do this, I can become pre-med and thereby I can become a doctor thereby, I can, you know, it, there's, there's a very clear path. And, you know, I went to a performing arts school, but, you know, one of the absolute requirements was, um, was thespians because what it did was I went to a very, I went to American Heritage School in Fort Lauderdale and it was like the best of the best in everything, in everything, whether or not it was academics, whether or not it was sports, whether or not it was theater, though you were expected to bring home the gold. And I think thespians was a really good way for the theater department to say, we are critics choice. This is our home run. This is our touchdown. This is that. This is the, mm. we, we won three zero. Like the critics choice, the superiors going to states that um, it was, uh, but it was an incredible, because when I was in high, so now it's more of a, um, like a sharing process. The, yes. uh, you know, Lindsay Warfield, who was the, um, just the, the previous chair really made Shout it. Shout out Lindsay. We love you, Lindsay. <laughs> made it be a uh, more of a sharing experience when I grew up and it was like cutthroat. We walked in in black turtlenecks, like in a line being like, bow down bitches. Like it was like competition. Yeah. And uh, it's so interesting to see that change, but it's also so interesting. And, you know, you work a lot with, um, you know, you were in Mormon on Broadway, you were, uh, you were an, you are an actor and um, an, inc an incredible artist, but you're also now working in the, uh, in the college um, 
prep setting, especially with yeah. Creative College Journey, which we're going to talk about. But it's so interesting to watch how the journey of um, of theater students prep for life and how certain things sort of change and and what is your sort of initial thoughts on that because you see it you see those yeah. trends change i i see it firsthand and you know having been in you know the high school of the arts that i went to i also ran their musical theater program for close to four years wow so i've also was you know a administrator educator like in the trenches wow um and then I worked for a college as well. So I've, I've been on every angle of it. And I think what's wild is that there's this like <laughs> inverse correlation. You would think there are so many more theater education opportunities at college right now. Like there's, there's tons. There's so many places where you can train, where you can study, where you can you know, we're, we are in the most abundant time in terms of education mm -hmm. yet the scarcity of like, if I don't do exactly this, my entire career is ruined. Mm -hmm. That has taken such a grip on the, the process. And so many people, you know, at 17 feeling like they're so behind and, and they're missing the big picture of what they're actually after and working on goals and life goals, career goals, creative goals, rather than if I don't get into, you know, insert prestigious university here, I'm ruined. Mm -hmm. And if they can really start to see the goals, they tend to see more pathways forward and many more different and many more options, diverse options that might serve them better than say, you know, you know, a school that only takes, you know, 16 people. I think this is really a great conversation for young people and parents to listen to. Um, because, you know, you're the owner and creator of the Creative College Journey. And Correct. You, you say it's a bespoke approach to college guidance, working exclusively with creative applicants, helping families handle both the academic and artistic aspects of a college application with the goal to lower stress and increase clarity and enjoyment throughout the process. Um, I think that is incredible. We talk a lot about the why or your statement, you know, your thematic statement, whatever it is. And I think that's incredibly clear and specific. Um, but I also think it really ties into the multi-hyphenate. Because, 100%. You know, because it's like, yeah, we could talk right now, like, about you being a multi-hyphenate. I think that's really important, of course, like, how you went from, uh, you know, establishing Creative College Journey after being directed by Julie Andrews and The Boyfriend, you know what I mean, and doing virtual shows and 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 teaching here and doing all this stuff. That's wonderful. And I have a lot of guests that come up and talk about it. But I think... And this is why I'm really starting to teach being a multi-hyphenate at NYU and Norwalk Conservatory. It's like, I just don't, I don't, I think what's also really helpful is understanding how and why I wrote a book on this, why how, how, how younger artists can start implementing that into their journey from a younger age. So what to you is the importance of being a multi-hyphenate and where does that sort of start in the exploration? I, I think it, it should be it should be from get-go honestly if it were up to me if i were you know king of the mountain and i got to say how all arts education was i would actually say the idea of being curiously creative is key um testing out all the different ideas and options um you know i talk with clients all the time it's like people need permission because of, you know, however the, our society is sort of deemed artists as, you know, irrational, you're going to drink, you know, gin by, at noon every day, you're going to be broke, you're going to be destitute, you're going to be a drug addict, right? Those are the like, the stories about becoming an artist. So everyone's coming to literally training in the arts with a little bit of anxiety, a little social anxiety. Um, and the quickest way around that I find is play is exploration is seeing 
all the things that you're good at rather than putting everything into one basket. Um, even if you are primarily focused in one sphere of art, adding to that, finding your Venn diagram, finding out where you overlap, you know, for me, it's so funny. It's taken me, you know, 44 years to find my true Venn diagram. I am a theater nerd. I love all things theater creativity. Um, I love teaching. I picked that up. I learned like, I love being in the classroom. I love guiding people and opening people's eyes to different concepts and ideas. And I also love being a business owner. I love calling my own shots. I love the idea of all decisions are made through my ethos and through my morals and through my point of view put those together, I was like, oh, the creative college journey, I found it. Like, I literally found a solopreneur lane that deals with theater, education, creativity, and being able to, to call my own shots through that. And the, the difference in job satisfaction is like, it's wild. It's wild. It's so funny. There's, I literally, yes, 100%. Um, <laughs> It's it's so funny because at the beginning of my book, I talk about the stereotypes of being a starving artist and what that means, yep. right? But it's sort of wild because, you know, you don't – the Hotel Chelsea doesn't exist like it used to anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, Joni Mitchell and Patti Smith – and for those of you listening to this episode with your parents, kids, young people – Please Google these people. Read Just Kids. You know, get. Oh my God! Read Just Kids. Read Just Kids. Of course, and really dive deep into what being a starving artist was, and that the trope, you know, of a starving artist isn't what's true and what you see in a sitcom, right? Like Joey and Friends. It's not. Maybe it was like that at one time, but it's not like that anymore, especially because um, we a lot of actors are approaching their solely they're acting uh business as a small business like they're not just they're not approaching it as actors anymore they're approaching Correct. it as a small business which I, i'm both here and there about um i think uh leaning into that to an extent is healthy but going just a little over i've seen a lot of social media influencers a lot of um strong actors lean into more of the selling as opposed to like the um the meat and potatoes of the art and it starts Mm. to become like um like uh you know they're opening their briefcase to like show the model of the swimming pool energy you know (laughs) where it's like all right you're showing us that you're this but where is it and maybe if you focused more on other things you would be the doing yeah you know what i mean so i think i think you should absolutely lean into the business aspect of being an actor of course but there's uh, i think a line that is crossed but regardless there is and i've said this in other episodes before being in being in the theater forget even tv film you can find extremely lucrative ways to make six figures in the industry and be a theater artist. And when I tell people this, when I tell parents this, when I tell young artists this, when I tell even my friends this, they look at me like they're like, what? Yep. Let alone, let alone the transferable skills, let alone the transferable skills of taking the art of empathy, the art of reading a room, the art of communication, the art of public speaking, and placing that in literally any industry in the world. Like, so there is so much to, to exactly to your point, there is so much opportunity. So where do you start? Where does it start? Because it's like, when you're a college, when you're a college about to be a college grad and you're a junior and you're looking for colleges to audition for you're signing up for unifieds you're thinking of your 16 bar cuts your 32 bar cuts your shakespeare monologue whatever they want where do you have time to start to think about (laughs) anything else to me it's the cart before the horse Uh like In your junior year, I do believe, I truly believe, I've had a lot of people sort of like go like, 
do those 16 year old 17 year olds really like respond to those questions that you ask i was like yeah they've got big thoughts and they actually have a stronger grasp of what it is they want out of their life than we ever give them credit for and so to me it's like i don't think if you're spending eighty thousand dollars a year in college can you afford not to understand your why i don't think so and so i, I often like where i start and where the easiest spot i find us to, to start with a creative student usually generally these are students who dedicate crazy amounts of time to their art in comparison to a typical high school student. Mm -hmm. Like if you talk to any theater student, they are in that theater 20 hours a week, bare minimum, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I go that. to that, I go to that and go, why? What's driving you? What's yeah. driving you? You could just as easily spend those 20 hours studying for your APs or, you know, hanging out on the couch or going to a game, going to a football game, but you're choosing to spend those 20 hours a week in that theater mm -hmm. and you love it and you want more of it. Why? Mm -hmm. What's at the core of it? And usually that gives us a lot of information. It's like, uh, I, I do a lot of like quizzes sort of about like the creative type. What kind of a type are you? What drives you? What are your creative drivers? Um, do you want to get good? Are you just trying to get mastery over the art are you hoping to get paid for your art are you hoping to like you know become famous get clout for your art p.s those are different things like you can be good at the art and not get paid you could be not good at the art and get paid they're separate things happens all uh, the time <laughs> turn on netflix you'll see it uh <laughs> literally literally uh, the idea of like, are you out to uh, to change the world in some meaningful way? Are you an advocate? Um, are are you doing it to heal yourself? A lot of people join theater, you know, as a mode of self-expression, as a mode of healing, of as a mode of being seen. Maybe you just enjoy it. Maybe it's purely recreational. And if you start to really understand, and maybe it's a little combination of a few of those. Um, and they change, right? They change as you grow, they change as you age, but that baseline conversation can really help dictate what makes sense about the next step into college. Um, if you're really driven because you're, you know, you just love theater and it's recreational and it's fun. And I just like the people, well, then maybe the BFA conservatory isn't going to be a great space for you to continue your creative work versus if you're just if you're hell-bent on becoming the best well that's maybe going to um motivate and inform where you want to go to school it's so funny because if you would have um if if we would have had this conversation when i was auditioning for colleges right i think i would have ultimately said i just want to be better i want yeah. and i wound up going to ithaca which i loved and and i wound up being better um but also at the same time, it's just what you did. You just got tried to get into the top ten the show, uh, um, theater. Uh, what what are they called? Yep. Schools. Thank you. Yep. Um, and Is it, you look at that playbill.com list. You just <laughs> top did it. ten list. Yep. You just did it, and you met up with your friends at Unifieds, and you did whatever you did, and now it's so interesting, kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, young adults, young students, um, pre-college people. I've never heard them talk when I go, where do you want to go to school? So many of them nowadays say, well, it just depends on money, how much money I get, how much. I'm like, wow, you're, I was not, that was not part of the equation. And not because, I, and and I knew that it was like going to be hard to pay for college, but yeah. it was, that was like the figure it out later. For many people today. For many of us in our generation, yeah, absolutely. For people today, it's now the, well, what am I going to get in terms of financial aid and help? And what does my state give me? And I was like, you know, that completely changes the game. And it's also this maturity shift. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, I wish I heard more of that. I do think it's been an uptick in yeah. that of like financial awareness of, um, and that has a lot to do with, 
I think just society as a whole has questioned the worth of a college degree. I think in our, in our generations, the idea of like a college degree being worth its tuition was not in question. Right. And that is that is def definitively in question in today's era. Especially with what we do, I think, you know, because we've seen so many, um, how do I put this lightly? Um, not the best person in the room for the job, get the job. Yep. And we see that there's something on their resume that has certainly um, helped that happen, aka what school they went to or whatever it is. Or um, I think that has spurred a lot of conversation being like, well, if I'm the most talented person in the room and I'm not booking these gigs, even though I meet every single requirement and I was the best, you know, that also spurs another conversation of like, well, what does that mean to be the best person for the gig? Um, in a there, subjective field. I mean, you know, it's, field. it's a subjective field. It's true. It's so true, best is arguable. Always, always arguable. And I always say to just, you know, no matter what you're doing, be the just try to be the best person in the room for the gig. This is why I tell a lot of my clients, you know, I said to my rep today, I got an appointment for something and I said no. Because one, I don't think I'm gonna be the best for it. And two, I'm I don't want to leave New York for the pay that it was offering. And so I'm not going to um put my name in the mix for it because it just doesn't work. But I want I want everyone to understand that. And people have disagreed with me. But when I started implementing this with my in my life, I've never found more joy, more happiness, more um, uh, more artistic and financial freedom. But yeah. being specific with my art and saying no to things, being like, you know what, I'm not going to go out on that audition. I'm not auditioning for that school. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And reserving that energy for the things that I know are true within myself, the stories that I am to be – that has been my biggest um, superhero quality in the industry because when I was saying yes to things I didn't fully believe in or I didn't think were good environments, um, I'm setting myself up for failure here. There's no winning. There's no winning. So why can't we as artists understand, and this is something that I want parents to know too, is why can't we from the very beginning when we're exploring that, okay, we're not just actors, we're small business people. I love directing. I love photography. I love this. I love that. Why can't we also start implementing on saying no for things? Why do we have to apply for 16 schools and not five that that makes sense focus on that that are focused on my needs and wants and and but why can't we start that early so that way when we get to the industry we've already implemented that and we're in the right I, rooms i i wholeheartedly agree and i think it's it is one of those pieces i think why i built this business was to i it may sound like uh odd but was to lower suffering of artists yeah, yeah. like honestly like to let artists be in the saddle rather than being dragged by the schools and then by the industry and it's all by happenstance i know in my own personal career this is similar to you when i started taking charge of what i was doing when i started really understanding what are my what are my attributes like, what are the things that I'm, what are my aptitudes? What am I naturally really good at? And how can I, you know, harness it and and use it and lead with it um, versus, well, whatever you say, I'll do. Right. It made a huge difference. And students and applicants and artists in general, you are not without agency. You have agency. And often it feels like you don't, but you always do. And similarly, going back to, I don't think an artist can afford to not understand their mission. I, I don't, to understand the goals. The goals and mission can change. The goals and mission can have some fluidity to it. But if you're just waiting for someone to validate you, 
in this industry, boo boo, not it. <laughs> not the right industry for that. No, you know, I'm I'm proud of myself because I, you know, I it's January third and, um, three days into the the new year, and I noticed, I I said I I don't know how long this will last for, but I'm proud of myself how much I've done it so far, but. I've I've been implementing no into my life a lot mm. more recently and there was a moment where it um a big a big name in our industry someone who I've loved for a very long time is looking to work with me on something and plans were made about something and I'm trying to be very vague here but I'm trying yep. to also be specific plans were made and I, um, it was set in stone and then the plans changed, which wound up, which went, would have, if I had said yes to it, be a, an expensive thing on my part to change yeah. regarding schedule and whatever. And I said, no. And I am a person that, especially if it's influenced by someone i love and admire and that in the in this industry there's a lot of that oh my god i can't believe i'm working with this person i just want them to like me i said yeah. no and i and i comfortably said no and you know what they said okay and it felt I, good this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's it's literally uh, the monster at the end of the book, yeah. Grover. It's like, oh, oh, that's that's all it is. Yeah, and it was I, like, it was great. <laughs> it felt good. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I used to like, as an actor, I used to do a two out of three was, was like my litmus that I would do for acting gigs. Uh, when I got to a point where like, you know, uh, I could sort of say yes or no. I had two out of three. If the pay was great, if the pay was good, if the people were awesome or the project was interesting, if it was two out of three, I could consider it. If it was not two out of three, I knew I couldn't do it. Meaning I could work with, you know, maybe not the greatest humans or directors, but the pay was great and the project was really inspiring or interesting. Or more likely, the pay wasn't so great, but the humans were awesome and the show was awesome. Like I could get on board. That was one of those like ways I could very if I knew it didn't at least meet that for consideration, mm -hmm. then it was a no, and it right. could be a no. And I felt very little remorse about that. And that's, that's a, it's, it's useful to know where are your limits? Where are your lines? What, what are you after? Yeah, we don't have to put ourselves in unsafe, or I don't want to say unsafe, but uncomfortable situations anymore or even just simply undesired undesired and that's <laughs> like, good too like, like that i just i don't want to <laughs> right and that was sort of like the last thing that came because like i love a litmus test as well and i write this in my book how to be multi-hyphenate in the theater business but um when you're trying to figure out how to add a hyphen to your industry or proficient uh, to your identity or um, a proficiency, right? Like, how do I identify as an actor, photographer, producer, writer, podcaster, educator? I think there are four things to ask yourself. Does it bring you joy? Does it bring mm -hmm. you joy? Do I get yep. paid for it? Is yep. there is there a paper trail? Like, if there if you were to Google me, 
would there be an online presence of it or is it on my social media just something that identif that goes with my identity and i think this is a really important one is this each hyphen or proficiency or talent or whatever you want to call it does it cross pollinate and affect the other because multi hyphenating is not it's not about solo artistry it's not about taking jobs away from other people it's not about taking up space yep it's actually a very um it's a very lucrative experience and it also cr it, it creates jobs it's really good for the economy but um cross pollinating as in like my photography helps me provide an income for projects I can produce and be in or the, my audience, uh, something I'm in will want to shoot with me and that will provide an income for my, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. I think the cross pollination is the really, really important thing other than otherwise we just wind up being multi-talented, um, <laughs> multi-disciplinary, multi, 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 multi yep whatever it is, but multi-hyphenating is about the cross-pollinating aspect, the the Venn diagram that you're talking about, the I am a small business owner and educator and that artist, which is what I think you have so beautifully mapped out. I love that. I love that idea of cross-pollinating because then what I also see with a lot of sort of like going back to the like creative students is like, it, it it becomes this binary. Right. I either go whole hog or I cut it out entirely and I study economics. Uh, and, and to me, it's like college is like the most beautiful place to do the exact opposite is to, is to cross pollinate your economics studies to your theater performance to your history lessons, right? Like, college is really about connecting the pieces and bringing them together and and then doing that in your life like i i love because it keeps things active it nothing is for naught i've talked to so many you know post grads who have who went down a responsible road um quote unquote and their feelings of compartmentalization is so it's so harmful <laughs> you know it's so harmful to feel like oh well i couldn't afford to do that i didn't like the idea that you couldn't still allow art theater creativity writing even in some level even just having the door open to it can cross pollinate your law studies your medicine studies your educational studies and your career. So I, I do think it's about also like something about the cross pollinating is allowing the door to be open for magic, allowing the door to be open for spurts of inspiration. And I think that's so, so vital to, you know, a, a life fulfilled. Maybe that seems that I maybe mean, that's a bold statement, but I, I really do think it's a secret sauce to a life fulfilled. It's so funny. You know, I, I like researching um, niche things about the industry. You know, we've we've connected over this, like yeah. Broadway history, of course. Like, oh, my gosh. Reference, we're reference. My favorite. Ways. Right. Yes. Of course. You know that. Who's your alphabet? Yes. Who's your alphabet? I saw Adina originally. Yeah, me too. Bring it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, um, so you know, who, like, uh, but but more so, like, who, who did who did you see in um, I Love My Wife? You know, like, I love a good reference. So, um, Joanna Gleason, Joanna um, Gleason, exactly. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, exactly. So you, I love that. I love Broadway history, but also, um, I love like the niche aspects of the industry. Like when did multi-hyphenating become very popular? And it's so funny because I think, and again, right, this is my book. I've talked about this to different groups of people, but multi-hyphenating started when theater started, right? We have a story to tell. We are going to get this up. And it was a news source. This is how, you know, it was all about the community. And somewhere along the lines, even in Elizabethan era, like in Shakespeare times, but like somewhere along the lines of like the 70s, 80s, we lost it because mm -hmm. I think that was when the trope of if 
you do anything else, you're not an actor. If you could see yourself doing anything else, do it. And those who can't do teach. Those dangerous tropes that that go, well, if you're not doing this, then you're not a that. And I think it scared a lot of people. So what they did was they were so prideful in being actors, which I'm prideful in being an actor. That's why I'm so protective of it. That's why yeah. I say yes to certain auditions and no to certain auditions. Because when I'm in a room, when I'm as an, this is my career too, mine. I'm not saying it's yours or whoever is listening to this. This is my career. Yep. I don't want to be in bad rooms. I don't want to be in awful rooms. When I'm an actor, I want to be set up for success. I want to be working with the right people. I want to be saying the right things. Okay? That's for me. Maybe not for you. Maybe not for this person. You want to go to show to show to show. It doesn't matter. But yep. that's for me. And I think that somewhere along the lines, people that were very proud of being actors or wanted it so desperately heard that and shut off every other possibility of themselves. Yes. And somewhere along the lines, it just trickled down into that's who we are now. And frankly, it's trickled down into the training programs. Like that is that I think the trope is, has um, lessened its death grip, mm -hmm. you know, but I would still say it's very much present, unfortunately. Um, and it's so interesting, like historically, because when I think of like that moment, the seventies and eighties, is when there was a great time of scarcity, specifically on Broadway, specifically in New York, specifically, you know, amidst the the bankruptcy and the AIDS crisis. And uh, so it's a very interesting moment that that came out, mm -hmm. um, pointing it into the 70s and 80s, where all of a sudden the idea of just being a... Uh, being an artist, like being an artist, it wasn't, I, I presume, prior to that, it wasn't so life or death. It wasn't so, I, you know, uh, there's no other option. And yet, it, post this 1970 moment, it is certainly, um, it's a pervasive thought. I know it's something I felt. I truly felt if I did anything outside of musical theater and I was Broadway or bust, if I didn't make it to Broadway, I... There, I would have felt some sense of failure. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that's incorrect. I know that that is incorrect, that mindset. While did I land in New York on Broadway? Yeah, but it, it didn't actually help me in my larger trajectory of being a creative, of being a multi-hyphenate, of being, you know, the best artist I can be. It actually was a deeply limiting belief uh that that wasn't particularly useful i saw um here we are last night oh i'm jealous and that deeply revived my hope for the theater oh now here's the thing we're talking about maturity and we're talking about um how the college auditions search has changed but i also think young people and this is part of my like oh god uh you know my 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 um my hope for the theater was dwindling aren't doing shows that push them when they're younger like and this mm. is not to knock this is not to knock shows that are popular and are good, but everyone's doing them, right? Like yeah. Mean Girls, um, Mean Girls, Heathers, uh, Carrie. You know, it's so cool to see Carrie such a popular show now. When we were younger, it was, you know, if you had the- Oh, it was the pariah. Yeah. It was the pariah. <laughs> and if you had the bootleg of the White Stairs, you know, you knew you were a, the a theater girl. Yeah. If you had the, the bootleg with yep. Betty Buckley and Lindsay Hately, right? So- um, so like, it's watching that change is so interesting, but I just feel like when I was younger, I did Rocky Horror when I was 13. I, with my parents in the audience, right? Like we were all 13 to 15 oh, years yeah. old in full drag, full, full drag. Latrice Royale, right? Come on. Latrice Royale did the makeup for my friend Michael, who played, 
you know, Frankenfurter in that production, okay? Like, we did Rocky Horror, we did Scarlet Pimpernel, we did Jekyll and Hyde. I did Dark. We did uh, we did Assassins and Nonsense in Rep. Okay, <laughs> this is this is the thing here. <laughs> how do? How, but then that was such an edu- and here, that was such an education. And not yeah. only that, we handled it with such care. Yeah, we handled it with such care. I don't. Why? Why aren't younger people today digging their teeth into rep like that? anymore where why aren't teachers or youth theater programs saying you know what you might not like this at first you might roll your eyes and be like why are we doing this but this is why you're gonna like it and this is gonna be fun well it's so funny you say that because part of my mission at my four years at osha was to do that was to bring in seasons that were daring that kept students on their toes um we did the high school premiere of jasper and deadlands um uh we did the high school premiere of now hear this the sequel to title of show uh and we did that all in you know quarantine uh we did shows like drood we did we tried to push you know what it meant to do theater Mm -hmm. and it's I will say it was really tricky because a lot of students it's there's a fear if they don't have a YouTube clip to replicate. I think there's, there's a legitimate fear of like, if I haven't seen it before, it's a scarier process. So I know even like in my time at OSHA, I had to like really prove my trustworthiness that if I chose something, it was going to deliver, that they could trust. And I felt the difference between year one, the side eye I got about Jasper and Deadland of like, I've never heard of that before. Right. What are you doing? To when we announced now hear this, people were like, great, it's something new. It it took four years of um experiencing that and trusting that and i think frankly i just think it's really hard earned i think it's really really hard earned um in today's society and part of that is sort of the comfort of being able to watch shrek on youtube um or being able to uh look at something and thereby replicate it but i think to to your point and what i would encourage theater directors to do as best they can, because again, money is tight. Right. Like the, the time is tight. Resources are so scarce. I, I, I get it. It's very simple to be like, well, just, just do a musical. You don't know. Uh, but it's in them not knowing that they actually develop their curiosity. It's actually where they develop their interpretive skills rather than their replicating skills. There's so many levels to every yeah. conversation in the theater. Like I was talking with someone yep. else about this who's also an educator, and he said, well, for us it has to do with competition. There's a lot of competition in this person's area where there is a lot of youth doing theater. So they will flock to where their friends want 100%. to be. 100%. Yeah. That is like the the outside groups. and you know, students don't know what they don't know. And so they're going to lean towards comfort and yeah. doing the Adams family, no shade to the Adams family is going to be more comfortable than doing a studio production of quilters, you know, like that's, <laughs> and we did that too. And it was stunning. And it went to international thespian festival. Like yeah. it was a stunning project yet fully understood why someone might have chose, you know, the local children's theater production of um, Adam's family over that. And I think you're, you're just constantly at the, that whim and you're, it's, it is a, it is a tough gig. It's a tough racket, but I do feel good about like bringing in some outside thoughts. And I think long-term there's actually great, great benefit to it. You also, you want to have, you know, you want to, 
have I feel like what I loved about my season in high school was we did what was it sophomore year or freshman year we did big the musical oh come on Danny Jenkins you know I played young Josh which was the best um I loved it so much we did big the musical oh god what else was it it was big and um oh no uh, it was big in a class act yes okay and then sophomore year was cats and last five years and then junior year was you're in town and antigone i think i think they did like a they took away one of the musicals and put like a main stage play in that bring and it on i don't remember and then senior year was um producers and elegies a song cycle and the material that I learned and the things that I got to do and it helped me, you know, it shaped who I developed my humor, my sense of humor and my, well, I, I don't know. And, but here's the thing, maybe that's what is really beautiful about the experience was that it was my experience was that I took away what it was and not everyone is going to take that away. And those, yeah. And for some other kid, maybe in your school right. you know was like why can't we just do annie right. uh you know who knows it's it's i do think that's where it does become you have to read your community you have to read you know when i went to osha and again i i taught at osha these were the die hard yeah they want theater all day every day so part of my mission for them was not just theater introduction but like actually doing deep studies in in ideas and challenging them in ways that were appropriate to their level and their age um and i think every school really has to be responsive accordingly and you know some schools doing jasper and deadlands isn't going to be uh, a great option versus right. if it's about you know again these resources and these experiences are not equitable. They don't get handed out equitably. Right. Um, and I think there's a real, there's something really important about making sure programs are responsive to their communities. That is huge. That is huge. And also tying in being a multi-hyphenate, you know, these are the opportunities where you could say, all right, you know what? Maybe the show doesn't call for who I am, but maybe I could stage manage. I've always been interested in stage managing. Maybe I could assistant direct this one. This is these are the times where those those are the experiences. And I've I had more times where it was those sort of leadership positions, those um administrative or artistic directing assists those students walked away with gold and better actors better actors yeah 100 so like if you're a young person listening to this like take those experiences and they will make you better actors you don't have to be on stage 24 7 for you to be a better actor it's, oh please yes please it's all about understanding how the theater as a whole works and i'll never forget my first assistant um directing gig and it was aladdin jr and it was oh. I mean, it was the perfect gig because it's my favorite, you know, to it's my favorite Renaissance Disney movie. And I kept saying to the director, Tori Bell, who passed away, um, but, you know, wonderful, wonderful woman. And we think about her all the time. And, um, you know, I said, Jafar, Jafar needs to come there because then and she would go oh oh yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense or what if what if what if this happened or or this is something that's really cool in the movie that maybe we could and she listened and i felt heard and it made me feel you know i was i then was able to ask myself those questions as an actor well what yep. if we did this and what if he did this and said it just all of these experiences start early you have an awareness of the world around you, especially for the actor folk, like get an awareness of the world around you. It's vital. It's vital. Scott, you are amazing. How can oh. anyone listening to this work with you, get in contact with you? What's what's up? Easiest way is to sort of find me on my website, uh, www.creativecollegejourney.com. Uh, you can also email me at scottbarnhart at gmail.com. Uh, I do free one hour sessions with any family who just 
needs some help looking at um, their college plan. So by all means, um, reach out and sign up for some some slots and some workshops. You are the literal best. And thank you for listening to Dear Multi-Hyphenate. Please rate, comment, subscribe, do all that good stuff, tell your friends, your family, you know the drill. And follow on Instagram at Dear Multi-Hyphenate or at the Michael Kushner. And thanks as always to the Broadway Podcast Network. And oh, that's my book. Did you? What? what I had that? this book this whole time. I, that's my face. Look at that. Buy See? the book. Buy the book, you guys. I think these are the same headphones, too. Anyway, bye. <laughs>